This week's episode is brought to you by a Francois Boschman goal. Believe that or not, but it happened. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Wow! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph House, and you're watching the Mile High Hockey Podcast for January 16th, 2017. Uh, we're recording on the 14th, so I had to think about that one. Coming up on the show, um, Dabs made a trade, and uh, talk about Nikita Zadorov. We'll talk about some All Stars. But before we play the Woosh, we need to some, introduce the disembodied voices for the week. Say hello to Earl 06 as usual. Hello. And say hello to Ryan Murphy as is tradition. Howdy ho. had a five-day break this week. Hopefully everyone enjoyed their uh, vacation from watching the Avalanche lose game after game. They went oh, one, two, three, four, five, six days in a row without losing a game. <laughs> Seven if you include the day after the loss to Calgary. On Thursday, Avs fall at home to the Anaheim Ducks 4-1. Your only goal scorer, Nathan McKinnon, and what a beautiful goal it was. But uh, it wasn't four goals which is what yeah. they kind of needed. Um, Varlamov, not great in that game, to uh, say the least. Then on Saturday, a matinee, Nashville comes to town, Avs lose 3-2. to two. They got goals from Gabe Landeskog and Francois Beauchemin, oddly enough. And this was honestly, this was one of the better games that they've played in quite a while. Landeskog was in beast mode, Zadorov was in beast mode. Um, they just... Got, they lost the goaltending battle, you know. <laughs> That's about the size of it. Yeah. Uh, this week kind of felt like going back to work after, like, holiday break, didn't it? And that's pretty much what the avalanche have been reduced to. It feels like work. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Varley looked real rusty early in, in the Anaheim game. I thought was- he got better. Which was funny because the altitude started the broadcast with by telling us how Varley said he felt great. Well, <laughs> didn't look it. <laughs> he felt great, but he looked like shit. Um, was better probably on Saturday, but still let in some goals that he probably should have stopped. Yeah, that yeah. the uh, the Cody McLeod goal. You'd like to see him have the wherewithal to punch that puck out of there before it gets to him. The, uh, that's a risky play, but that that's kind of the play that needed to be made there. And then the Forsberg goal, he gets beat on the glove again. Like he's, that was also right. a pretty, pretty nice shot from a goal scorer, though. It was a pretty nice shot from a goal scorer. Yeah. A, a reasonably unexpected shot, but it's Varley's glove again. When was the last time you guys saw Varlamov make a great open ice save You know, on a breakaway for the other team? You know, not that we expect him to make that every time, but when was the last time you saw it? I can't remember. He's probably made some. I mean, how many breakaways have they given up this year? Like a thousand? <laughs> yeah, quite a few. <clears throat> but I just want to see him make that save on Mike Fisher. You know, just yeah. give me a glimpse of hope that you're going to be somewhat useful in the future. Yeah, and and I said this at, like after the uh, the Anaheim game or during the Anaheim game. Because there was a two-on-one and it went right in the net. It's just like, every mistake cannot go in your net. Right. The, the defense I mean, we've has talked to be about, able to make mistakes. 
we've talked about high danger scoring chances and, you know, how we break those up, you know, from low danger scoring chances and his save percentage on high danger scoring chances are, it's just abysmal. It's falling off a cliff. And there's no, what I hate is there's just no good explanation for it. I mean, is he slower now? Is that what it is? I mean, it's just, is he less athletic? Um, I mean, we, I I know we discuss this every week, but it, it just, it makes no sense to me that how far his game has dropped off. Is he not getting the consistent coaching he was previously? I mean, I mean that's, that's it, a pretty I mean, good suspicion. But, I mean, from what I've heard, Francois Lair is in town coaching as usual. Hmm. Uh, I, you know, I don't, it's just it's tough to say. I mean, it's, I think we always go back to they're seeing stuff that they're not expecting a lot. Um, you know, and, and I can see that like, like on the first goal on Cody's goal, you would expect that Shell and I would tie up his stick, you know? <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the third goal too, or maybe it was the fourth one. I'm sorry. No, the third one off the face off was strange too. I mean, he has no business seeing that puck right there because Ryan Johansson does not win that face off very cleanly. And Miko Rantanen skates right by Forsberg. <laughs> I mean, yep. rightfully or not, you know, to go guard a defender. And Tyson Berry isn't on Forsberg. You know, so he's yeah. got a clean shot from inside the circle. He's not even contested. I mean, yeah, that's not that an easy just, shot save. Yeah, it was so quick after the faceoff. You really just aren't expecting a shot, you know, within a second of the faceoff. Yeah. And you should. I mean... You know, I went back and looked at it a couple of times. Barry was lost on that play, and I'm not sure if that was somebody else's fault or his. But the Avalanche, you know, committed some sort of miscommunication there. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he was 906 on the on the day, and his career or his season number is 901. Yep, improving every day. I mean, it's <laughs> it's we've, we've got to have. Baby steps. You have to make saves. <laughs> Easy saves and hard saves. And and the thing that's weird about it is the rampage goal percentage, uh, or, sorry, the save percentage is low, too. It's right around 901. Um, and you're just like, I, you know, Jeremy Smith, I'm, you know, he's okay. I don't know. It's, I don't, you know, I don't think he's really that bad. He hasn't been that bad in the past. And Spencer Martin is a little inconsistent and there are times when the rampage only let up like 17 18 shots so it's like he lets in two and his save percentage goes down so you're just like guard <laughs> some numbers there but <clears throat> um, it's strange we were talking about the heat maps last week and if you guys look at these online where opponents are getting shots off on the colorado avalanche it's very very different than what it was last year yes like and for the better not just different for the better much, much better. And, you know, it, it's way on the side. And, like, one side in particular. I mean, it's all down, like, you know, the left-hand side. Is it not? Yeah. I'm, I pulled it right, right now, actually. The yeah. uh, the biggest red spot on Colorado's shots against heat map is about right. 60 Both foot out and, and about 30 feet to the left. Right. Which, um, I can't do that algebra that quickly, but it's... Some several feet. (laughs) 
It's, it's approximately 100 feet. You don't need to use calculus. <laughs> That's oh. theoretical geometry. Um, all right, but if I'm looking in that area and I'm, I, I see some of the goals that are scored, like or, or even just some of the the really dumb plays that happen, they happen a lot on that side because you're looking at Boschman and, and Tutin giving the puck away there all the time. Yeah, I was just gonna say, is this because they only have one good defenseman on the ice at a time generally? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be it. Oh well, my god! Have you seen the individual heat maps for Francois Boschman? Uh, not too good. I have not looked at that. You should do that right this second. If we're going to have this conversation, you need to see this. Um, Francois Beauchemin's 5v5 shots allowed with versus 5v5 shots allowed without. And just look at the area around and to the right of the crease. Yeah. And remember, right where someone's doing their jobs. I just looked at it, and now I'm speechless, so you guys talk. <laughs> Based on the coloration yeah, I mean, on the that's... graph, the area right around the crease to the right with Boschman on the ice sees about, mm, I would say probably five-ish shots per minute more. Per minute? Than the league average, or shot, maybe per hour. What is it? Where's the number? Okay. Per 60? That might be Yeah, it. I think it's per 60. Okay. Then it would be quite a bit. (laughs) There there used to be verbiage on there that said, and then without, they're below league average in that area. Like, Hmm. two shots per minute or hour, whichever it is, below. No, it's per hour, it says. Yeah, so it's like two shots per hour less in that area. So, I mean, that's a seven shot per hour difference with Boschman on on the ice in the wrong direction in a really dangerous spot. I don't think it's any coincidence the Avalanche won their first game in a while when he wasn't playing. So we need to scratch Patrick Weirkosh. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Patrick Weirkosh, the game before, was the Avalanche's leading defenseman in shot differential. (laughs) He was good. He was good. He was all right. Um, Before we get into uh, some of the other stuff, let's, uh, let's not forget to predict... Um, how many games the Avalanche lose Rene Bork for? Ooh. Because um, in case you missed I, it, I would be some... he uh, kind of followed a guy from the near boards to the far boards and then put us, you know, it was soft contact, but it was still contact from behind and launched Darvidson headfirst into the boards. Is that incidental enough to where maybe he only loses a game? Yeah, I'd say it's going to be zero or two. Okay. He does have priors, though, right? He does. He has, well, his priors are not for this kind of play, though. His priors are five games for elbowing Backstrom. Is uh, that taken into consideration, or is it only that he has priors? You know, I don't know, because that was in 2012. Right. Yeah, I think those go away after a period of time, too. Uh, kind of like speeding tickets? They may go away yeah. over a period of time, but that also may have been before <laughs> the whole repeat offender thing happened. Like, yeah. there's a certain time when the repeat offender thing started. And I don't remember <laughs> what that was. Do you remember? I can't remember. But I, 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 there was no intent to injure there, and he obviously, like, as soon as he did it, he knew he did something stupid. Right. Um, they might just say that getting thrown out of the game game was enough but 
you know that that's 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 a that's a really bad kind of hit that they really don't want to see anymore. So they might give him two. Uh, send a message. What is that noise? <laughs> I think my dog has a toy. It sounds like a kazoo, so that could be it. <laughs> Your dog plays kazoo. Dang. <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think two um, is the max myself. Yeah. If it was more than two, I would be slack jaw stunned. But I I really don't expect it to be zero. He's a a not very important player on a not very important team, so he's a good case to, you know, throw a preventative measure at. And and actually, I mean, get, getting rid of him for two games is probably you know a good thing for the Avs, other than they they'd like to have him in the lineup too. What are you talking about, Earl? He's a top line player. He is a top. Top line player, and and he should be treated as such by the trade market. But um. yes, I agree. <laughs> Give us your first. Yes. So, you know, the, the only downside is maybe the Avs top six plays a little bit better, but you know, he he's not around in the highlight reels for our our friends in Vancouver to trade for. Think of all those goals that won't be tipped in now. That's right. I think he already oh, met his quota. Wait, he hasn't scored since November 29th. Uh-oh. He better. He just hasn't been trying to tip anything. Yeah. He better get on it. He's been outscored by Francois Beauchemin since November 29th. That's yep. true. So in all seriousness, I mean, who do we replace that roster spot this week? Nope. No. Yeah. It's getting close, though, isn't it? I mean, they scratched two forwards tonight, so they can they can eat one guy. Yep. I don't recommend it. It's kind of illegal to do that, but... <laughs> they didn't scratch two forwards tonight. Yeah, they just scratched Martinson John... and Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Johnny, Mil- Johnny Mitchell and Weirkosh were the only scratches, weren't they? Oh, that's right. Was Martinson not scratched? No, he played. He po- oh, on. God. Hmm. <laughs> you missed that? I didn't notice. I guess. <laughs> yeah, when, when Mac was... MIA and Iggy was in the box. He he was playing on the third line. Hmm. I only noticed Soderberg getting double double shifted. <clears throat> and Duchesne getting triple shifted. <laughs> I hope you got. Hope you didn't get out of shape during your break, guys. <clears throat> so um, um, yeah, I, but the, I, I, no, whatever you've got, you can go. Yeah, I just said they they have one forward sub, but I I just don't I don't see them calling anyone up right now. I don't either, but if they did, who? Um, or, I mean, it's kind of, given the role that that Bork plays, I'd say call up Greer. He's on an eight eight game point streak, which is a high for the season. Well, we're at this interesting point in the season here in which the avalanche have played 41 games and right now i think they're very actively watching their prospects and making sure they don't get over 40 games played so granted aj greer's played three i believe three games he's played five five games yeah so i think it might be maybe a week or two before we see greer but well i mean i, I if they're gonna call him up they just call him up for those two games right <clears throat> What if they replaced Bork with Bork? Um, God, it'd be really easy for the guy who types up the score sheet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the lineups every night. 
But uh, Greer is the only one that that really matters for. <clears throat> all the all the other guys, they, they they're, they're going to get an accrued season no matter what. Yeah, at this point. Now that we're I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, all the prospects. It, no matter who, you, like Greer is the only one where that really matters. I mean, after one more game, right? Is it forty games? I'm saying, like, no, like Comfer is going to get an, an accrued season whether he plays the entire season in the AHL or not. Ah. But Greer can delay that by not playing 41 games. Such a I weird see. rule. It is a weird rule. The CBA yeah. is just the most inaccessible thing, and you can tell that lawyers wrote it. So can Comfer be exposed to uh, the expansion draft this offseason? No. Uh, okay. He's still an ELC, right? Yeah. So no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ELC guys are exempt. Yeah. See, this is what I'm thinking. No, uh, it's it's two years into your ELC. Ah, uh, okay. Really? It's not just ELC guys are exempt. They've got to go one step farther than that. <laughs> I should really look into this stuff. <laughs> it, it, it'll it'll drive you nuts. Oh, hey, when, guy, when I was writing like, my you know, uh, Cody McLeod uh, article uh, at two o'clock in the morning, I learned a ton about stuff <laughs> there's a lot out there so i was like how much would it cost for them to bury him in the ahl i don't actually know let's go find out uh, well now they don't have to uh we yeah. should talk about that um, we, we cody will, mcleod uh, no longer a colorado avalanche i'll drink to that yeah and and as i wrote it's very important that they got rid of his hit that third year on his contract and traded it for a guy who's either going to play in the AHL or has have his have his contract expire. So uh, that's a that's a roster win right there. Yeah, flexibility. Haven't, haven't been a whole lot of roster wins on the Avalanche the last three or four years, so we'll take it. Because this summer Mitchell is gone, Aginla is gone, uh, Como is a very tradable piece, uh, Martinson is. His his contract is up, but if they kept him, it wouldn't surprise me. RFA, right? Yeah. Is he RFA? I thought he said UFA on Cap Friendly. Ooh, might be. I'm going to head in there right now, so I'll let you know. Um, we're, we're cautious RFA. Yeah, I'm just looking at forwards, right. though. Because the Martinson all, is UFA. Because all the young guys that I'm talking about in this scenario are to replace our god-awful forward depth. I'm talking about AJ Greer, JT Comfer, uh, potentially Tyson Jost, potentially a top five draft pick. Um, you have to make room for those guys, and they're losing. You know Mitchell, Aginla, possibly Martinson. You you may I mean, you haven't lost Como yet, but you may end up trading that one. McLeod makes more roster space. Yep. No, I, I think it's you know it's it's a smart move. Um. You know the, the fact that they were able to to move him before the the UFAs is, is you know it's pretty good GMing. Yes. Yeah. It's, like, let's, let's it's have... pretty negligible cap space wise, but that's not the issue here. Yeah, it's less yeah. than a mil, which which is a perfect size for an ELC. Yeah. So. And I don't know if you looked through the comments after you you wrote that, but. Um, I made a plug for good old Felix Gerard, who we got back. You did. I saw that. Um, you should you should make that plug again on here. Um, you know, he he seems like a throw in and a guy that you know they may or may not have been interested in 
maybe just a warm body, but um, he, he played for Eric Veyu, the Rampage coach, when they were in Bay Como in the QMJHL together. And Gerard won the Guy Carbono trophy twice. So tell us what that rare. trophy is. And that is the QMJHL equivalent to the Selkie trophy. Okay. So he's you know, he's a de- he's a defensive forward. He's you know, he's not much of a scorer, but he's a really good PK guy. He he's very good at face offs, he's very good defensively. Um, he was a ca- captain at Bay Como and he was I don't know. He, I know he wore letters from time to time in Milwaukee, where he was before he got traded. Um, but he was definitely part of the leadership group there too. So he's, you know, he's a, a solid guy. He's only in his the third year of his ELC, so he's young, but he's, you know, leadershipy already. So what I found interesting about your comment is the Avalanche seem to be collecting these types of players. Are they not? Yeah, uh, Sean Sinemont who they signed out of the queue uh, as a free agent uh, this summer. And they only signed him to an AHL contract, but he was the Guy Carboneau Trophy winner from last year. Hmm. Uh, um, so it, it, sort of, it, it, it kind of shows me that they're targeting these kind of guys, um, you know, guys that, that might not have scoring upside, but that are very quick and solid defensively. And, you know, if you're thinking like, all right, right you know, is this guy an NHLer? I mean, what, what can he what can he help the club with? Um, and you just you sort of look at the guys that aren't doing their job in the bottom six for the Az right now. I mean, would you rather have a really slow guy that's supposed to be a scorer in the second line but isn't, or a guy who can't score at all like John Mitchell or whatever? You know, would you rather have a guy like Gerard or Saint Amant or you know even Gabe Bork? You know, right, just go you know, down and be pesky at least. Yeah. And and it's just because they can't put the puck in the net doesn't mean they're not good in the offensive zone. They're, you know, guys like that are good at puck retrieval. They're good forecheckers. Um, you know, and it's nice that if you have a couple of guys like that on the roster, and I, I wouldn't want like three or four or five of them, but if you have a couple of them, there's your there's your top PK unit, and that's taking time that you know maybe McKinnon doesn't have to do on PK or, or Landeskog and. You know, it sort of keeps the the top six guys fresher. So, I, I'm still a fan of uh, like being on PK. <laughs> I am <laughs> I'm a big too. fan of that right now. I am too, because Colorado's penalty kill is actually underratedly good right now. They're, they they yeah. don't get the saves all the time, but they're quite good at uh, preventing shots and creating shots of their own. Soderberg standing way out in that area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if those and types the, of guys don't have to I don't be playing. Like, I like McKinnon on the PK, but it'd be nice, like, you know, if you have three PKs, you use them maybe one or two shifts a night, that kind of thing, and then sort of strategically. Three PKs? Right. Teams only have three penalties against in a game sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> happens, you know? <laughs> I, I thought it was, was mandatory a... that a, one team at least takes seven every game. Well, teams without Fetter Tootin generally have that option, but I guess we don't. When was the last time Tootin took a penalty? Today. Oh, Did he take really <laughs> early third yes. when he splashed the guy for no reason and uh, that was lost the, one, the game. That was the one that I missed because I was a little bit late getting back for the third. I didn't see that penalty. <laughs> Not hanging on to every moment anymore, huh, Steph? Yeah. I actually generally am just slightly late getting to the start of the second and third periods. I'll go off and do other things and lose track of time. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was uh, taking a look at Avalanche penalty rates and uh, seeing how much higher it was this year. They are taking half a penalty more a game, which doesn't sound like a lot, <laughs> but it really, really is. Yeah, it adds up. Over 40 games, they've played 41 now, but over 40 games, assuming those are all minors, and that's another 20 minutes of penalties you're killing in the season. Yep, and if you get scored on 30% of those or 25% of those, I mean, it counts. Wow, maybe that's why we're so bad. I think that is one of many reasons. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, if you watch Tootin on any general shift, he commits four or five penalties every shift. He's a little Easy. bit Adam Footish. Like he's like late career Adam Footish in that way, where he just does illegal things constantly, and it's somehow fine. To make up for yeah. a lack of split foot speed. Exactly. I mean, he's he's constantly slashing people. I mean, that's that's his trademark. I mean, he slashes, you know. Anytime he's near somebody with the puck, he's slashing him. And you're just like, you know, you're playing with fire, dude. I mean, I know you're slow. His last two games have been really, really, really rough. And it was probably exacerbated today by playing with Francois Beauchemin early. But Yeah, that's a really awful combo. Oh, man. I mean, when his shot differential is less than the entire team's, there's a problem there. And Yeah. Yeah, Federer Tutin in the neutral zone is a fine defenseman. Federer Tutin in the defensive zone has been a nightmare the past couple of weeks. And or any or any time he has to handle the puck, he's just I mean, he may as well have a club out there. It's just he he can't he can't do anything but just smack it five feet. You know, whether whether that goes to a team teammate or to the other team, yeah. it doesn't matter. That's about all he can do. And I was a, I was I mean, a pretty should be strong clear. defender of Tutin in the beginning of the year, and I still stand by that, but as we've re- approached the halfway mark, he has gone not so good. <laughs> He's gone way downhill in a hurry. Yeah, yeah he went from a player that... he came back from his injury. Yeah. Which is becoming a trend, because Landeskog took a while to turn things on after his injury, but he's kind of back to himself now. Like, Avalanche players are really struggling when they return from injury. Do you think they're coming back too soon? I don't know what it is. I would not be willing at all to speculate that because I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. So this is all related to Cody McLeod, um, who we were talking about a minute ago. His uh, his goal was pretty funny today. That was very fitting. I just I I thought it was funny that I mean all right you could see starting the game just for kicks you know I mean that's a courtesy. Oh yeah, class move by by both teams. Well, plus, you you want him <clears> in <throat> the game early anyway. You want him to be like, get, just get this shift out of the way. Go. Yeah. yeah. So but dropping Kendall right PK. off the face off, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's, he like slashed him across the legs. <laughs> Dropped him to the ice. But I was surprised he he was on the first power play unit for the Preds. Um, yeah, I don't think they have anybody else right now. He just he's just going to look for the Doug Glatt goals all. Yeah, the butt goal, which he used to score those for us every once in a while. The butt goal. Yeah, I, I liked his goal that he scored today for the Predators, and it kind of shows you the deficiencies in the Avalanche bottom six right now because Cody McLeod did what Cody McLeod always does. I mean, he got up the ice a little bit later than his teammates, but he st- skated straight to the goal and put his stick down, and somebody actually hit him with a pass, which just doesn't happen when you play with John Mitchell. Yep, and 
you know what? Uh, it was just a really nice hockey play and one that I trust the Nashville Predators will be able to repeat at least yeah. a couple of times for the remainder of the season. Yeah, and with, and with that moment, the Avalanche lost the game and the trade. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it illustrates how these problems in the bottom six can compound because when you have too many players that play specific roles or too inept at scoring, they just make each other worse. And I think that's one thing we're seeing right now in the bottom six. That's got to be fixed. Yeah, I mean, it, there's, I mean, there's really no other explanation for why Joe Colborn is sitting on one assist since opening night. Um, you know, it's, that's almost impossible. I mean, yeah. in hockey, you can get assists for like the puck going off your ski. So, yeah. how is that even possible? You're not even getting close to scoring. And I, I mean, it, and it doesn't seem much better when he was, you know, they. they They've had him with Duchesne a couple of times. Uh, you know, they've, they've tried to move him around a little bit. Um, I, I thought he looked pretty engaged out there to, in today's game, actually. This is probably one of his best games over the past month or two. Well, the Avalanche have played well two games in a row, three games in a row, really. I mean, yeah. uh, I, they've been playing much better hockey. I have not been seeing the results, but it's there. I thought they played pretty well today, too. Yeah. You know who I mean, you, isn't really struggling? You can What's that? Well, Matt Nieto uh, doesn't isn't struggling all that bad. I don't want to see him in the Avalanche top six, but you know he's a player that can complement a, a scorer rather well. Yeah, he he made that Landeskog goal happen just as much as Landeskog did. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he was that was some hard work behind the goal, and then he was able to dish it off to Duchesne, who said, "I'm in trouble too. Here, Gabe, you take it." Yeah. It's a competent hockey player. Yeah. And during the blender in the second period, they, he took a couple of sh- shifts with uh, Carl and it was either Bork or Como, and that looked like a decent line. Mm-hmm. Nieto's uh, a decent player. I mean, it's that's a very very savvy waiver pickup. Well, I mean, if you look at it, sort of what each guy does well, he and Soderberg seem like they would complement each other well. You know, you've got Nieto's speed, and Carl can stay in the middle and do what he does. Distribute. Now you got to find the, yeah. And now you got to find just one other guy that might be able to complement both of them, and and that's a good third line. So. Do you think there. that there's any of those in San Antonio thinking face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there probably is. <laughs> I had to guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. I mean there's a few different things they could do with Nieto. I mean, I've heard people talking about, like, well, shoot, you can try to trade him again right at the deadline, which would be some really, really good GMing. But I'd almost like to see him stick around. I mean, tender him a contract. He's a restricted free agent, and they need more forwards to expose this summer. So I think he's easily a player you can tender a contract to, even if you just lose him to Las Vegas. But um, I, I, I wouldn't mind him for sure. Um, yeah. I, I'm convinced that uh, it was a much better decision than picking up Ty Ratty now. So thank you, Earl, for knowing what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I will eat my words from last week or whenever <laughs> we discussed that. Yeah, you know, I mean, strange. He, he seems like the kind of player that, that JB is really looking for as far as bottom sixers. 
And yeah. uh, even though I'd love to see everybody from the Rampage come up and fill those spots next year, it's nice to have a guy with over 220 games of NHL experience be one of those guys, too. I can understand so, why I didn't notice him among other San Jose Sharks over the last couple of years, but... Because there's I mean, some very fucking good ones. Right. <laughs> some very good San Jose Sharks, but he's also the type of player that might make those types of players better in yeah. situations. And he's not going to hurt the team by being too slow and too unskilled, which describes most of the Avalanche bottom six. No, he's, he's a modern NHL bottom sixer, which is not necessarily a plug-and-grinder, not even necessarily a comp- competent bum kind of guy, but a guy who can absolutely chip in with speed and with secondary scoring, but that isn't going to beat a top-flight defender. Yep. That sort of goes back to what I was saying about Felix Gerrard. I mean, you know, Nieto's got some off offensive skill so he's kind of a, a level above that but um, guys like that you know if you have a bunch of guys like that in your bottom six you're going to be way ahead of the game compared to where they are now yep i think it's safe to say that we're all looking forward to having players that can skate and pass going forward if that is indeed the plan i, I can't wait for it to happen yeah i mean if you had six matt nietos in your bottom six i think you'd do okay you do fine, and we wouldn't cringe at the on-ice product. He's fun to watch, and I, having a you know a Duchesne line, a McKinnon line, and having Nieto bouncing up and down the lineup, I think has helped contribute to the Avalanche being watchable. Yeah, it's just you need that speed. I mean, it's just so obvious that everyone in the league got faster over the past couple of years, and the Avs didn't, and it just makes them boring. They got bigger, though, Earl. They can push people around. They got more (laughs) truculent. But when you add that speed, you're like, oh, wow. Suddenly suddenly this is interesting again. And it complements their best players. Yeah. Which you have to do. (laughs) You have to make players like Matt Duchesne and Gabriel Landeskog better themselves by surrounding them with actual talent that complements their game. Another also, thing helps. you have to do is play them. Um, what was up with Nathan McKinnon's in the second period? Where'd he go? Uh, My favorite on the theory bank. was the Casa Benita theory, which is that he had to poop. <laughs> the Chipotle theory? No, that, that the Chipotle theory was my joke. The Casa Benita theory is an actual theory, which is that the team had a big going-away party for Cody McLeod last night, and Nathan McKinnon made a rookie move with the menu. <laughs> he doubled up on the enchiladas. He did I don't know. He did something though. <laughs> well, there were reports that he was actually on the bench the whole time he, he wasn't playing, which I mean that's that's just weird to me. And I'll throw. Yeah, out I mean I'll it, throw I think it was I half before, the time I, maybe. Yeah, he, he didn't play for ten minutes. Right. Um, and the only thing I can think of is maybe he's he's got the flu or something like that, and he took an IV at intermission and they're waiting to see if he started to feel better. Plus they might have been saving him for later in the game if he was down on energy. Yeah. Which he could have been retching on the bench, you know, and we couldn't see it on camera. Thank could God. Have been, yeah. uh, I'd have been retching at home if that had happened. <laughs> <laughs> the technicolor yawn on everyone's skates. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a pretty good uh, gif to have on the internet. I'd, I'd keep that around. 
Hey, the Avalanche aren't playing well. Here's what Nathan McKinnon thinks about their play. It's like Pete Sampras at the U.S. Open. <laughs> um, or who's the yeah. guy that puked on the football? Was that like Tom Nalen? Lots of people have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was the Denver Broncos center, Tom Nalen. Threw up on the football. Um, I, I, my parents have season tickets to OU football, and I used to have one when I was a teenager. And I hmm. went to a game where, when Donovan McNabb was still in college, and between plays, like he approaches center and he kind of steps back, bleh, and then gets back under center. Like, dude, what? <laughs> what, is, what is this? Clean up after yourself, man. <laughs> this isn't a farm. This isn't a barnyard. <laughs> so hopefully he was just like feeling puny or something, and wasn't getting some kind of inexplicable benching because he didn't, didn't do anything. Right. I mean, we. I kind of noticed he wasn't playing particularly well. I mean, that line definitely suffered a little bit without Landeskog, and, you know, um, maybe that's the reason. Maybe he wasn't feeling well either. Uh, but, his, time on ice I, it, his time on ice was not where it should have been, too. I mean, I think, um, I think at the end of the second period, he had about four and a half minutes, 5v5. And, you know, even if you take out the fact that he missed a quarter of the game up till that point, that's still low for him. Right. Right. So the, uh, the Casa Bonita theory is definitely the best theory, but an illness is probably the most accurate. Uh, there's little well. difference. Good <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. The, it's the only place in the United States you can get Casa Bonita. <laughs> But you know who was definitely noticeably awesome today was Nikita Zadorov, and his development has just been almost linear throughout this year, where he's just been better every single game. Yeah, yeah. The Avalanche are close to having a good one here. Yeah. I've heard somebody notice that, you know, when they notice Nikita Zadorov is the defenseman that gets back on a like a breakaway or kind of an odd man rush, they don't even worry about it. And there's some truth to that. Okay, his, I mean, when he got back to back check that breakaway, and just kind of yeah. oh. his defense was no, 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 push the guy off the puck. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. Because what do most Avalanche defenders do? Fall down. Fall down. <laughs> swim. Wave at the puck. Oh no! Now I'm out of the shooting lane. Goal. <laughs> Cover the wrong guy, then fall down. <laughs> well, there's got to be some indecision first, right? Right. <clears throat> or the, yeah, I mean, there's no indecision today. None. No. And that was, that was an, a great play to get back. Um, and he had several huge hits, including a uh, kind of a messy one on Forsberg, where it look, looked like he lost a little bit of an edge on the way in and just kind of spun around. Yeah. But it was exciting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he he's really stepped it up, and especially especially recently like he's really jacked up his game a bunch um, and it doesn't matter who he's been playing with right yeah that's the impression I mean, he's part. the one that's making the pairing better yeah, which is very important yeah he's not playing with someone anymore someone's playing with him yeah because we saw a little bit of that at the beginning of the year when he was with ej and that was that was a pretty formidable player until they started splitting him up for for no good reason um but now it's sort of like he's making the pair. He, he's he's anchoring the pair now, and it's just 
fabulous to see. So maybe when uh, I mean when Johnson's shin is repaired, maybe they reunite. Maybe the Avalanche maybe. have an actual top pair for the first time in fuck half a decade, longer. Yeah, oh, that's a scary. Who was pair. the last two? Well, that silence is a good answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last good uh, pair of defensemen the Avalanche had. A real top pairing. Um, I mean, anything since the lockout? Foot and Bork. <laughs> I mean, that's pre-lockout, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there it is. It's been more than 10 years. Probably 15. It's, I mean, it's honestly, it's been that long that they've been searching for a defenseman that they've you know, just fall out of the sky to them. Um, you know, it's 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 obviously tough to acquire good defensemen, and you know, you have to take a chance on a guy like Z in a, in a trade for Ryan O'Reilly to to get a kind of return that we're starting to see now. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they need a return it. out of it. Yeah, we're we're seeing that return quite frequently out of Z and. I'm excited and happy that there's something positive happening this year because there's not a lot of positive happening this year. You know, the media narrative started to turn a little bit on that trade, too. I mean, um, there was a Denver Post article today that kind of highlighted, like, every GM transaction since uh, the Wasackic era. And even our, you know, good friends at the Denver Post are starting to come around in that trade, saying it's looking better and better for the Avalanche every day. And I, I can't help but agree. I think it looks about as good as it did when they did it, quite honestly. Yeah, it's about to look a lot better in the next couple of years. You know, JT Comfer is going to make a difference on this team. He's playing really, really well off of the rampage right now. Right. Just got to make and the And AJ Greer is the other piece. Yep. What makes the Z trade nice is is the fact that, that he still needed some work. He still needed some minor league development, and he did that, and he still needed to do some work at the NHL level once he got past that. And, and that seems to be happening. It just shows that they can, you know, they can do other things than just buy freshly made, ready-to-go NHL defensemen and put them in. And, and you know, now, now they seem to have a de- development system that seems to be turning out a product. So what you're saying is you can't survive on all imports and need to manufacture some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but it also says, all right, you know, that, that what's going on with Chris Bigra? You know, that's going to hopefully go well, and it should go well. And when Nick Malosh comes up next year, that's going to go well. I forgot about that guy. And what's happening with – yeah. And Sergey Boykov has, has made good strides this year in, in the AHL as well. So is Anton speaking Lindholm. of imports, uh, you know, Joe Sackick's mentioned Andre Mironov's name this week. And, you know, he's been mentioned previously about a player they could try to bring over from the KHL next year. Right. And that was not something that had been talked about at all. So, yeah, right. It'll be very now nice. It's at least being see, discussed. See some more defensive help for San Antonio and potentially depth for the Avalanche blue line if he pans out in such a way. I'm so, still waiting for a word from him uh, saying that he's interested because, you know, I, I can see the Avs being interested in having him come over, you know, from the time they drafted him. But, you know, it's always seemed like he wasn't interested 
interested in whatever they were offering or you know what it, it he's made no comments about it at all as far as i know so you know, maybe he just doesn't comment on things like that but i'd like to see something like yeah you know the nhl does interest me a little bit yeah i, I i'd play for the avalanche why, why not you know something to, little, uh, to give a little hope that he might break that contract and come over yeah go play with zadorov man yeah. little uh russian shutdown pairing yeah to prevent shots from the Russian goaltender who has been waving at them. But another good thing happened this week that Nathan McKinnon named to the uh, all-star team for the Central Division. Claps for Nathan McKinnon. Yep. Um, was that the right guy? Yeah. Right enough. I mean, it's him or Duchesne. You don't have another choice. See, yeah. right enough is kind of the way I feel about it. Like, if you if you send Nathan McKinnon, I'll say, yeah, all right, sure. If you send Matt to Shane, I'll say, yeah, all right, sure. <laughs> I mean, either one will be fine. If the Avalanche yeah, because you have to send both. somebody. Yeah. I mean, they have to send a player, right? I mean, mm-hmm. within the <laughs> NHL rules. <laughs> so it's got to be one of those two. And, and it's if not as if... About the, you know, with the three-on-three three three format, uh, you just can't think of two better guys you could have a choice between, so... I mean, it's not as if these aren't two of the best players in the league, you know. I mean, these are two of the premier talents in the NHL, and if their point totals don't reflect that, it's more of a reflection on the team they play on. So, why not? We know what the All-Star game is, but if you were trying to make a winning three-on-three team, Landeskog is the one who keeps hilariously scoring overtime winners. He just gets lucky, though. (laughs) <laughs> you don't you don't think that's a talent? It's <laughs> unsustainable. You don't think, you don't think John Quick swim, swimming all the way out to the face-off dot is Gabe's talent? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think Landy would have been in that conversation if he had been playing like he has over the past, I don't know, six or seven games you know, for the whole season up until his injury and then coming off of it, he kind of swung back into that. I think, you know, he would have been in there, but yeah. he was pretty flat out bad until a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yeah. If we're uh, ready to do some like three star stuff, may I nominate Gabriel Landeskog as my number one star this week? I'm done with that. I, I could get behind that. Uh, I would nominate Zadorov myself. Uh, it's going to be number my two. Um, I also would probably nominate Matthew Sheen for being, a good hockey player, despite playing with uh, a <laughs> mid-season waiver wire pickup and Gabriel Bork. I'm sorry, Renee Bork. Um, yeah, Matt Duchesne gets uh, whatever garbage they pick up off the waivers and whatever they sign as a training camp tryout. That's what he gets. Yep. And then honorable mention to uh, Joe Sackett, the Cody McLeod deal is very, very good. Yes. Yeah. No one's going to complain about that. I'm going to scratch Coach Bender for putting Boschman back in. Got to do it. Got to scratch. You got to play him, though. I mean, if you don't play him, I mean, you can't go to a team and say, like, hey, you really need this guy. I know we, I know we scratch him all the time, but, you know. <laughs> yes, that, that's a more compelling argument than, look, he has three passing options and gives it to none of them, and the other team gets the puck. 
I mean, a team's not going to trade for him like, oh, look, he scored a goal. We need that guy. Like, they're going to know who he is. People are idiots. <laughs> As somebody just traded for Cody McLeod, so I, I have all the hope in the world that Boschman can now be traded. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's easier to frame an argument around, like, we just don't have room to play him on, on our lineup. Maybe you do. Then, <laughs> then he's, look, he's, I know he's been so bad, but I, I think one of those arguments is a little bit easier to spin. Uh, third scratch, Fetter Tootin. Yeah. Bad, he, bad Tootin. Brutal lately. Bad toots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was toots, gonna, toots, the musical fruits. I, I, I was going to call this episode the Cody McLeod Memorial Hour, but Bad Toots might have just won. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adventures at Casa Bonita. There you go. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not good, man. God, I'm so looking forward to seeing like three new defensemen on the avalanche in like the next two months at some point. I just want to see it so badly. Well, they don't, they don't even have to trade to and he can just be a stopgap guy and then he can walk in the summer and go elsewhere. True. You don't have to. I just want to see somebody else play. I just want to get like a glimpse of the future. I just want to take a peek. It's like, you know, all these Christmas presents in San Antonio and I'm just shaking the packages, trying to figure out what's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm also. I mean, I, I, even though he makes one heinous fuck up every game, I'd, I'd rather see Jelly in there. Um, you know, right. he, he can. You know, he, he's proving now with a little bit more playing time that he can actually add stuff. And I, I'll, I'll put Beef in there too. Um, yeah. You know, neither neither of those guys are going to break the game wide open or, or do anything really fantastic. But you know, they're not going to be doing things that that Tootin's been doing lately. So I mean, Jelena had his thing today. He definitely had his thing. Um, yeah. In fact, he's probably fairly responsible for that first goal against, was he not? Yep. Pretty much. It's like, <laughs> he, he had one job, which was a tie-up Cody McLeod stick. He did zero He did not things. do his job. He kind of, he had a good seat, is what happened. Yep. Primo so, uh, Yeah. Now, that, that was one of those where I was surprised Varley didn't club him over the head with his stick at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like he wanted to. I know. I'm sure he did. <laughs> and can I mention one more thing on the Francois Beauchemin goal? Did you guys notice that after the uh, traditional skate past the bench, he went all the way down to Varlamov? Really? Yeah. Do, they, do they normally do that? Maybe they're pals. Maybe they're pals. Maybe they had a bet. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry, I've allowed 16 goals scored on you myself alone this year. Uh, I'm paying you back. <laughs> there you go. Got There's you one. one. Got your back, man. <laughs> um. It's just not good. I just want to watch Chris Begra. I'd rather watch Duncan Siemens. I, you know, give me somebody else. I'm just at that point in the season. I just really, really want to see what I can look forward to next year. Which, given that it's not even halfway over yet, is terrible. <laughs> I know. 
It is halfway over now. That was game 41. It is. That is halfway over. I keep thinking it's later in the season because I keep thinking about what's going to happen later in the season more than I'm in the present. <laughs> yeah, we're in, the, we're in the, the slog right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully we could see a couple more trades. I'm not sure they happen in rapid succession here, but, but I mean, I, I think we might see some veterans on the move here in a hurry. Hopefully so. I, hopefully I, this was the first domino. Well, it, usually in January, most of the teams have an organizational meeting. I think once those uh, finish up, and they'll finish up before the All-Star break. At that point, most teams kind of know what they want to do as far as uh, deadline strategy. Um, and then three more people get injured, and then they have to completely throw that out the window and do something else, yeah. right? Like trade for Jerome McGinley <laughs> with a second-round draft pick. Vancouver keeps scouting the hell out of us, so I'm sure they just want him so, so bad. <laughs> well, I, do you guys I, get into that hype for which scouts are watching which games? No. If it's if it's guys that aren't there a lot, like Vancouver doesn't scout our games much, so them being there sort of says something like they're interested in something. Montreal like Montreal every there. game. Yeah, Montreal's there every game. So that, I mean, they might be interested, but having them there says nothing. Uh, I did kind of notice that the the scouting contingent was reduced to about three teams today after the McLeod trade. So everybody that was getting excited over Landeskog pretty much realizes they're actually going after McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and like scouts don't always sit in the press box. I mean, if they don't, if they if they're registered, then they're fine with people with everybody knowing they're there. If they're mm-hmm. on the cutesy, then they'll sit in the stands. Right. Or We've they seen could some... sit at home and watch the game on Game Center Live. Yeah, right. I mean, just read articles. You don't have to go <laughs> read in Mile person High and hockey. stare at a guy. Actually, do not read Mile High Hockey because we have nothing but bad things to say about these players. <laughs> I was going to say we need to get the spin doctors going. Uh, get, fire up the spin cycle. Propaganda campaign. Yeah. Find somebody some, that we uh, can hire to just stick that. Uh, air pump in Boschman's tires and start pumping. Get some uh, compromise, you know, some uh, compromising materials. <laughs> On other GMs? Yeah. So, so <laughs> it's like we'll write about this if you don't trade for Francois Boschman? There we go. Something. The classic goat pictures that everyone talks about? <sighs> so many out there. So, um... Don't know if we'll uh, see any more trades before we see more games, though. I kind of doubt it. Yeah, I think there's a few more games to be played. The Avalanche are back in action on Tuesday, the uh, fourth and final game of the homestand against the Chicago Blackhawks. That is a 7 o'clock game. It is on uh, Not Versus. That is a national game. And oh, th- there's a decent chance that it will be the uh, the national team calling it, too, because it's... Uh, not at eight. Um, then on Thursday, Colorado started two-game road trip to California. Eight o'clock Mountain start at Anaheim, so we get to see the stupid team from Thursday again next Thursday. And then on Saturday, Colorado play the first of a home and home um, on the road in San Jose at eight thirty Mountain because San Jose believes in keeping the East Coast up all night. Ten thirty start. You betcha. That Sleep game over. is on altitude two, the Ocho. So, what do you guys think about the upcoming week? Um, it is a home game, but it is against Chicago, so there's a chance. 
somehow Colorado can't nice. stop beating Chicago. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's our. I'd say that's that's a decent chance for a win. I'd I'd hope that maybe the the staff learned things from uh, the first Anaheim game and and re- are able to implement them in the second Anaheim game and and maybe I don't know get a point even you know actually if we get it to overtime we're gonna win so. <laughs> You know, I, I would give the Avalanche a chance against either one of these teams, the way they've been playing this past week. I think it's really encouraging, but I just don't trust the goaltending. I think they lose two one-goal games here. Oh, two it depends who's playing. I think if, if Pickard plays, they might actually have a better chance now. Yeah? All right. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I, I don't know how much you can take away from that first Anaheim game because it was the first game out of the bye week. And they, they talk about this on the BSN podcast where, uh, like, everyone seems to agree that the five-day bye week is great for clearing your head and having a psychological break. Um, but it's, physically, it's just like you have to work yourself back into it, and it's just tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was watching a game the other night when they said something like the t- team's coming off the bye week or, you know, the, it was a, I think it was 1-2-1 one, and one or something like that, but uh, they were averaging 1.25 goals per game. Mm-hmm. So, well, that, that holds true for us because we saw the Islanders score one goal after theirs, and then we saw the Avalanche score one goal after theirs. But it just—it's yeah. it's a really small sample for that kind of analysis. Still, I mean, you'll remember the Avalanche had their first bye week, the like second week of the season. Yep. Yeah. And then their I also don't think the Avalanche. One zero. Right. I don't think the Avs played nearly as badly as the score reflects. I mean, one of those goals was you know an empty netter. And I think they missed a lot of really great opportunities that were saved by a goaltender who played really well, John Gibson. And plus, I mean, they could have actually learned things about the other team by watching them that they can implement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, yeah. if, if there were tendencies they saw or whatever, I mean, who knows? It's Randy. He's, He's got it pretty predictable, right? Right. These are still good hockey teams, though, and uh, I don't see the Avalanche winning more than one of them. So will it be – which road game will it be? You know it won't be at home. <laughs> it's true. Uh, let's say Matt Nieto gets his hat trick against the Sharks. That'd be fun. <laughs> Boy, fe- Fear the Finn would be like suicide watch <laughs> at that point. Yep. Those dudes are not happy to see Nieto go. And as soon as, like, as soon as he left, his line mates started doing things. And they're like, oh, now you start getting assists, now that we don't have Matt Nieto on your line anymore. <laughs> I, I think Anaheim's probably the best shot for a win this week. I, think I don't think we'll beat the Sharks at all. <laughs> I, I, I think that's an accurate assessment, and I think that the Sharks game has all the makings of a god-awful game to watch. Uh, for one, it starts very late. <laughs> yeah. And for two, it's on a Saturday. So you're giving up your Saturday night to watch this game. It's probably going to be brutal. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It, it's still going to be rough. I think the Avalanche will be doing a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of adjustment to be made here coming up. I think they're preparing to... <laughs> Get jettison some players they're showcasing players and situations they probably wouldn't if they were intending to win games um, I don't know, it's just an awkward time 
We need Francois <laughs> Bozeman playing 25 minutes a night. Hey. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, you need him playing but getting very limited ice time. And scoring one goal a game. So, scoring a goal a game would be amazing. Yes. <laughs> please. But no, you know, I still have the same request of the Avalanche, which is to be watchable. Yep. And they, they largely Score. have been for the last couple of weeks, so. They going to score a power play goal this week? Yes. I will really? predict Whoa. that, yes. They've, wow. been, they've been too close too many times for it to not happen. Yeah. You still like the way it looks? I didn't today when we actually got no. to, saw, to see it, which was very... <laughs> I liked our 12-second power play a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they're on a power play. They're on a power play. No, they're not. And it's Thanks, gone. Carl. Carl, would you like some power play time? No. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm throwing you out there anyway. You just want me to stand in front of the net and, and get hit by pucks. No, here. No power play. That was such a, a terrible penalty. It was garbage. <laughs> so lazy. <laughs> Come on, Jeez. Carl. We're uh, looking forward to you playing better, too. You had been playing a little better. And he still kind of has been. That was just a god-awful penalty. Yeah. Yep. That yeah. moment. Well, oh. we made it without really whining about the officiating that game. Uh, we could have, but we still don't think this reason they lost. No, of course it's not. Losing losing track of the puck was heinous. Yep. I still don't know why they insist on blowing the whistle so early sometimes and so late others. You know, just let the play you know pan out and go to the replay. That's what it's there for. What I don't understand is intent to blow in general. Like you want us to play to the whistle, but not when you. But but what you actually want is us to play that when you intend to blow the whistle, which we have to have some mind reading skills to know that. So, right. All right. Good one. I mean, that was clearly a goal that clearly would have tied the game, and it still wouldn't matter. The Avalanche suck, and their season's over. <laughs> well, it's tough because I mean. All right, I, I can see why they don't want the goalies being eviscerated by five guys, you know, spearing the puck. So but... blow the whistle earlier. Yeah. Don't go. Oh, hang on. Never mind. Uh, I lost the puck actually like five seconds ago. So we gotta. That can't count. Sorry. 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 Everyone, sit down. Don't play that god awful song. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I intended to blow the whistle. I meant to. Can you imagine that in court? You go to traffic court, uh, officer or your honor. With, with, with all honesty, I intended to stop. Yeah. Um. I I really did. Good one. Yeah. I don't know. That's the difference between what uh, manslaughter one and two. <laughs> I intended to kill somebody. <laughs> Or I didn't. I don't know. It's a little more specific than I know to get on stuff like that. I usually have um, Do you guys have any, have any bold predictions of your own for this week? Mine uh, is a power play goal. Power play goal? Yeah. Um, I say Matt Duchesne scores again. It's been a little cold. I think he gets back on the score sheet. Well, they're going on the road, so that's a pretty good bet. Earl? I think Z's going to start scoring in I don't know if he'll get a goal, but I think he'll start putting up some points this week. He will assist nice. on the power play goal. 
love to see it. I'd love to see it frequently. I'd I'd actually rather see him start producing a little bit five v five. You know, I mean, power plays. Yeah, that's great for winning games and stuff, but we're not really really interested in that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see so shot attempts. I, I, I'd I'll, like I'll to start see him halfway be, there. <laughs> what what I'd like to see is is, is uh, some production from Z five v five. You know, sort of what he used to do in, in in San Antonio. He'd be able to rush the puck from one end to the other. You know, start taking a little bit more offensive initiative like that. Um, you know, I think by the end of the season we'll start seeing that fairly regularly. So. Second about, half starts, uh, good time to start doing that. I just want to see open shots from the blue line. I mean, take them. You're very capable, and uh, that's how you're going to get primary and secondary assists in the NHL is from a defenseman. So mm-hmm. yeah. go for it. Let's keep, keep your shots low and on target. Yep. Well, if in the coming week Nikita Zadorov keeps his shots low and on target, you know that you can find out here. And this time I'm going to not bungle all the words of the outro and have to fix it in post. Um, you can follow the latest as news and updates at milehighhockey.com and you can keep up with the show on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast and on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast or your favorite RSS catcher or iTunes. The, uh, the website is also easy to follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey or on Twitter at milehighhockey. Next week starts uh, Tuesday, and we play a game every other night. Pretty nice, solid schedule. We will see you there, and we will talk to you next week. Well, the real Peter McNabb has said some strange things today. (laughs) (laughs) But not an internet user. <laughs> what are some of the ones that I noticed? Um, other than Renee Bork is not that kind of player. Yeah, that was oh, a good one. He got some. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know some, what he's. Uh, Cody McLeod I know scores. what he's. You can't make this stuff up. We all made it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sort of agree with what. He was, I mean, he didn't explain it well enough, but, you know, I'll say that, that Bork is is dirty or has been very dirty in the past, but that's not the kind of dirty he usually was. Mm. Like, he's he's an elbow-in-the-face kind of guy more than a, a boarding-in-from-behind guy. He's been suspended right. five games for an elbow-in-the-face before. Oh, yeah, when, yeah. when McNabb was confused why the play stops when the goalie's mask comes off. Because a forward can lose his helmet, and it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, we don't like, you know, orbital bones or anything like that. And the the NHL is the only league, I think, in the world where, I mean, maybe the KHL, but the the NHL is the only league in the world where you can play without a helmet. Um, Landis Gog shot the puck off Renee's far skating in on purpose. He went into great detail (laughs) to explain that opinion. Um, (laughs) Haynes was talking about something totally unrelated as Nashville went off sides. And this is the transcript I wrote down. That's an offside play because of all the injuries they've had. Yeah, I caught that too. That was great. <laughs> I was like, what the? F- Did I hear that right? Is there something crazy? A non sequitur. <laughs> a lot of injuries, you go offside. It's just, you know, it's just hockey.
His leg fell off and went across the blue line. Damn, that sucks.